0: So as Luan, Luan and I are preaching together today, and I'm not going to keep you busy for too long before I hand over to Luan, and we, uh, the topic that we discuss is Victorious Living. And the reason why we're talking about that is Christianity has never been about forgiveness. It's never been about forgiveness. It's always been about freedom. Marisan mentioned that as she was sharing Friends, and what if we say Christianity is about being free to be who God created you to be? We know that forgiveness is part of that, because God does deal with that stuff. That you say, I've dealt with it in the past, okay, it's It's still an issue in my life. Friends, God is interested in the issues in your life, but He's interested as a loving Father that gave His only begotten Son to die for you, that you don't just have to live with your issues. And I don't know if you're a movie buff, but I love movies. But there was there's a movie called Dead Man Walking. I don't know if you've seen this. It's quite a it's quite a heavy movie. But that's not the Father. That's not the heavenly Father that we serve. That's not the God that we celebrate when we come to church. We come to a God that says, "Okay, fine. There are things that you've been uh, that that you dealt with. I also have my list. Stuff that I dealt with. And then there's that middle list where you say." God, it's, it's, it's not really a massive issue in my life, but it just keeps me, it keeps me in, in, a, in a bit of weakness, Lord. And then there's the stuff that you just know, oh, man, I have to deal with that. The difficult things. And friends, we do not have a God that pushes us out into life and says, okay, fine, I want you to live with these things. I'm a dad, I've got two kids, the coolest kids in the world, literally. Luke and Josh, I love them to bits. And there's nothing in my relationship with my children that wants to keep them in a place where they're not fully flourishing in who they were, created to be. Now, how do we do this? We can say discipleship is the answer to the world. Because Jesus said, go make disciples of all nations. We can say we're a church that makes disciples. We have connect groups during the week where you can sit down with people and you can dig into the word and discipleship, discipleship, discipleship. You know what? Discipleship is not the answer. Jesus is. And today, if we talk about victorious living, and Luan and I'm going to present it to you guys now, is we're not presenting a method to you. We're not presenting new disciplines to you. We're presenting Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because the more you see Jesus, the more you are going to become like Him. I promise you, if we were able to show you Jesus, just to have a moment where Jesus just walked into this and he just stood here saying nothing, all of us would be on our faces worshipping him. They asked one of the great church fathers, how do you know whether the kingdom of God has come to a person? And his wise answer was, they are quiet. When we see Jesus, we are so in awe of this loving father that loves us beyond our issues, beyond the obstacles that we place between us and him.
1: It'll just make us
0: quiet. And I want to take you to a scripture in Revelation. The book of Revelation was written by a guy called John, the Apostle John. He's, he's the guy that wrote the, the, the Gospel of John. He wrote one, two, 1 and 2 John. He wrote Revelation. And John was a fascinating person. And I'm going to read Revelation 1 verse 1 to 8 to you because it's the start of this man, and he's talking about a revelation that God wants to give to the church. But before John gets to the church, let me just give you a bit of context. Before John gets to addressing the churches that God is calling him to give a message to, he just has this moment where you can see this guy just being himself in God's presence. Because all of a sudden God walks into this prison cell that he's sitting in, Patmos. God walks into this uh, this prison cell. And all of a sudden, John sees the one whom he loves. Just gives you context. It's almost like I don't know how you do it, but if you have family, friends, people that you love dearly that you haven't seen in a long time, you know that first two or three minutes. It's such fun, but it's almost so awkward because you just want to pack in everything in those three minutes. I've missed you. I haven't seen you for seven months. How are you doing? And words just seem to fall short of, man, I want to get to your heart. This is what John is going through in this moment. Revelations 1 verse 1 to 8. John is saying the revelation of what? The revelation of the one I know, Jesus Christ. And then he goes on, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. He made it known by, he, he made it known by sending his angel To his servant john who testifies to everything that he saw that is the word of god and the testimony of jesus christ let's pause that is the word of god and the testimony of jesus christ the answer your answer friends the answer to the world is not a new discipline it's not more religion it's not more discipline it is jesus it is jesus help people to see Jesus. Victory training is a tool to do what? To help people to see Jesus. Mainly in the Sabbath training is a tool that we use to help people to see Jesus because in Jesus you find everything that you need. You find acceptance, you find wholeness, you find everything. And many sermons that I can preach on that. But Luan is looking at me with a hairy eyeball. <coughs> Alright. Blessed! This is what John writes verse 3 listen to the and, and and may you hear it in your hearts what is this jesus christ what is this testimony if you grab the testimony of jesus christ what will happen to you blessed is the one who reads aloud the words of this prophecy and blessed are those who hear it and take to heart what is written in it because the time is near blessed 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 can you understand that there's a god in heaven that would look onto you, and as you look, listen, let's be real with one another. I have never been perfect, you can ask Linda, I'm never going to be perfect, but the Bible promises me that one day when I open my eyes and I at Jesus in the eyes, I will become perfect, I will become like him.
1: So perfection is not
0: a a thing that we have in this moment. You know what the word blessed means? It means nothing missing and nothing broken. Wholeness and confidence. And friends, that is the testimony of Jesus Christ. Is when you look in the mirror. I don't know if you like me. Many of you guys are so, maybe not really confident, do good. Right? You, you guys are an attractive bunch. Right? But there are times when I think of myself and when I look in the mirror and I look at myself and I think, wow, there's a few things that need to be fixed here. And then you have this Father in heaven that walks in and says, I know my Son, but I still love you, even though you struggle to love yourself. That's what Jesus did. When Jesus died on the cross, he removed any obstacle that would stand between you understanding and experiencing his love. And the life of a disciple, as we grow in our relationship with God, that is what God wants to address. Now, I'm just going to go quickly. John writes a message to the seven churches in the province of Asia, and this is how he starts his message. He said, grace and peace to you from him who is and who was and is to come, referring to God. From the seven spirits before the throne, he's referring to the Holy Spirit, the seven manifestations of the Holy Spirit and from jesus christ who is the faithful witness the firstborn of the dead and the ruler of the kings of the earth because john saw jesus rose from the dead the firstborn from the dead if you read this if you read commentaries Charles spurgeon wrote a commentary on this and Charles spurgeon said when john was writing this he was not writing about a man a character of history or a person that was written about with, with words on paper, he was writing about his savior, the one whom we knew personally, the one whom we saw very firmly. The and then this is what John says to us as a church: He says to him who loves us and has freed us from our sins by his blood and it's made us to be a kingdom of priests, to serve his God and Father. To him be glory and power forever and ever. Amen. I want to show you three things, and this is literally going to be a headline sermon and then I'm going to hand over to Duan, so then you can get ready. What is the first thing that we see in John's relationship with his Saviour? This is what Spurgeon writes, Christ to John was not a myth. A historical person or a character on paper, he was Christ, the Word that became flesh. He was the Son of God who is alive and sitting on the right hand of the far, uh, of are sitting at the right hand of God. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to us? He's alive. To John, he's the one who touched him. He's the one whom he spoke to. The one who loved him. The one he followed is Christ on the cross, the resurrected, raised one, that's sitting at the right hand of God. The one who spoke to them when they were scared. The one who spoke peace into their storms. It was Christ who gave them the Holy Spirit. He didn't just know Jesus externally, but through the Holy Spirit that was poured out on the disciples, he knew this Jesus Christ through his Spirit internally. Who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to us as a church? Because to the extent that we understand who Jesus is, that is the extent that we will worship Him. Jesus wants to show Himself to you. He wants to show you that you can devote your life. God, no matter how deep your pit is that you are in, God is in your soul. No matter how deep your pain is, Jesus is greater and he's able to get to the bottom of your brain and he's able to bring healing and he loves you. No matter how much you disqualify yourself from following him, no matter how much you disqualify yourself from what he did on the cross, today Jesus is saying to you, I love you, I love you, I love you, and if you are willing to reach out to me, I will reach out to you. In the book of Acts you read where God speaks about the Gentiles. This is a bunch of heathen babies. Okay? Think of your, your movies, The villains. The Joker and Batman. The worst of the worst of the worst people. You see in the book of Acts chapter 17 God says that they might know I'm not far away from them. How much more is God close to you who sincerely love or who sincerely desire to walk with? He loves you. Second thing that John talks about here is he knew who he was in Christ. I would have you know, beloved, beyond all doubt, that Jesus is yours as he is mine. This is what John is saying. It's an old commentary. I, I would have you know, beloved, above all doubt, that Jesus is yours as much as he is mine. You can say without hesitation, he loves me and he gave himself for me. As John was writing, he was certain that he was loved and he was furthermore clear that he was washed. And therefore, he poured out his life in worship. What goes goes before any acts of devotion to Christ? The fact that you know that you are loved and washed by Jesus. So John knew who Jesus was. He knew who he was in Christ. And lastly, John knew that he was part of a group of people that was following Jesus together. Why would he very purposefully say, to him who loved or to him who loves us and freed us? John never related to God in his personal capacity as my God, me. Yes, He is your God, but He places you amongst us. God's got a plan for you in famine. Friends, I'm going to end off with, this, with a story. A friend of mine, very deep friend, one of those guys that you want to walk with, got to a place where he had a bit of a crisis. He said to God, God, I'm worshipping an image of you. Because even in me, sharing it to you Jesus. I'm painting to you an image that I wish with and a God that I've experienced this past year and, and a God that I'm seeking to know more. Michael got to place and said, God, well, I hold the image that I worship and I worship you. Would you please break it? Would you please become the image that I worship? Not what Mike says, or what my dad says, or what my uncle said or what the pastor said that I cry, or what the Sunday school teaches for me. Would you please show me yourself? Michael shared he had a dream, he said a very vivid dream, he said in the dream he could feel the wind blow over his skin, he said that the the details of the dream he could remember vividly. And he was walking through a market in India. And he said it was just a chaotic, massive market. And he said in his heart he knew he felt a longing for a lady that was in the market. It was not a sexual dream, it was not a bad dream, this is what God wanted to remember to him. He said the longing in his heart for finding this woman was so heavy, it was physically painful. He said that he was sitting through this market. He said the physical pain was almost unbearable, And he went through the market the first time. he went through the market the second time. And he said in the screen, as he went through the third time, he walked around the corner and there she was. He said that the relief in his heart for seeing this woman that he was looking for. And as she turned around, he knew that everything that he felt in his heart, she felt towards him. And he said, he woke up. He said his first words to God was, oh, God, I'm married. Why am I looking for a woman in the market? And he said, God said to him, I will tell you what happened. And later on, a couple of weeks later, he was resting and he said, God, God, what happened again? Yeah, God said to him. And you remember that thing that he felt in the heart? and as you were looking for that woman. I allow you for a second of your life to feel how I feel about you. Because in you must really do all the work. Guys, another thought for you is no man the no one can put words in it. No word makes money in a poem or a song. I would, I would strongly suggest you read the Bible. Because that is where God really is. And that's the God that we seek it out. That's the God that leads you to victorious If we lift any discipline, we want to If we lift any discipline, or any method, or any discipleship, or any connect group, or any church meeting, or any sermon, or any God of up, about Jesus Christ. We are setting the church, the body of Christ, something that is purely man-made, and it will never be for Jesus' sake. Because Jesus makes us thank you. that's our prayer and i hope that you're going to find this as we continue with this sermon thanks mike um first of all i wasn't
1: looking at you with a hairy eyeball (laughs) i agreed with everything you said and your timing unless you feel guilty about something (laughs) good morning everyone um yeah as mike said you know when jesus stands in front of us we've got Jesus himself looking us in the eyes. How do we respond? What is the, the practical way this works now? And I'm going to take us, I'm going to make it very practical now. I'm going to take us through
0: three types of people that Paul speaks about in Corinthians.
1: Um, 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14. First, let me just explain the three to you. So there's a natural person, a fleshy person, and a spiritual person. So Paul speaks about these three people. I want you to read with me the first one, the natural person. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 says, but people who aren't spiritual cannot receive these truths from God's Spirit. It is foolishness to them and they can't understand it, for only those who are spiritual can understand what the Spirit means. Okay, so it speaks about people who aren't spiritual, someone who does not yet believe in God, somebody that, that does not have God in their lives, People who are physically alive but spiritually dead. People that are separated from God and that are living completely independently from God. Natural people are usually people that their choices are dictated by their own feelings and their own desires. There's an image there on the screen that you can look at. That circle in the middle resembles your life. There's a throne in your life and somebody's on that throne. A natural person is sitting on his own throne in his life. He's the one that makes the decisions. Everything that happens in his life is dictated by how he feels and what his desires are. And all of those blue circles within in, in that uh, in his life, those blue circles producing areas in his life No, my finances. I'm the one that decides how my finances work. I'm the one that decides this relationship, how this works. You know, God is not in my circle. I don't believe in God. So I'm going to move in with my girlfriend and we're going to have sex before marriage. Because I, I call the shops. I'm in control of my life. And all of those areas in your life, all those circles, they literally to serve you because you're on the throne. And God is not part of this. You see the cross that is outside of that circle. Those orange circles on the left side represent the biblical uh, the, the, the disciplines, like spiritual family, coming to church, praying, reading the word of God, being disciple. So that's not in the circle. So that's the natural person. I believe you are sitting
0: in church. I believe none of us are the natural person, but the natural people. But the next one I want to speak
1: about is a fleshly person. So Paul goes on and he speaks in 1 Corinthians 3 verse 1 he says but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh as infants in Christ so he addresses them as brothers which means they, they do believe in Christ they are his brothers they are in Christ with him, but they are still
0: people of the flesh they are infants in
1: Christ so look at that in the next image you see Jesus is in the circle now you have invited Jesus into your circle. He's in your life. You've accepted Jesus as the Lord and Savior. And He is part of your life. that, that looks good, eh? It looks better than the first circle. Who agrees with me? That's good. Jesus is part of your life now. And I actually want to add, look how big that cross is. The cross is bigger than most of the, most of the, the priorities in your life. Most of the areas in your life. So, You're a good Christian. You've got Jesus in your life. But who is still on the throne? Who's on that chair?
0: It is still you.
1: You're still the one calling the shots. Who dictates your decisions? It's still you. Your fleshly feelings and desires still dictate your choices in life and how you live your life. The amazing thing is, friends, is God has given us all the opportunity to choose how we live our lives. He gave Adam and Eve the choice. That, that's, that's a definition of love. Giving you a choice how to live your life. So He's given us a choice how to live our lives. Now the person who has been made spiritually, this person has been made spiritually alive, but chooses to follow the impulses of the flesh rather than following the impulses of the spirit. And the sad thing is, if you look at this person, even though... He invited Jesus to his life. The people from outside in the midst of this person's life will look no different than the natural person, the previous person And that's the sad part because what, what happens is you are missing completely out of the potential that God has called upon your life. You're missing out of a greater purpose that God calls you, you to be part of because you choose to still live in the flesh when you have been called to live for so much more. And I can promise you that you will never experience the true fulfillment in Christ that he has destined you to live in. You will continue to have feelings of in, inferi- uh, inferiority. inferiority. Oh my Insecurity. <laughs> Let me go to the one I can pronounce. Insecurity. inadequacy. You you might still feel feelings of guilt, worry, doubt and fear because you are dictated by your flesh and not by who God calls you to be. And that leads you to being stuck in simple patterns. You keep stuck in this simple habitual patterns that you just keep on sinning and sinning and sinning. You. you can't get out of it that you don't know why. And then we look at the spiritual person. 1 Corinthians 2, verse 15 to 16 says, Those who are spiritual can evaluate all things, but they themselves cannot be evaluated by others. For who can know the Lord's laws? Who knows enough to teach Him? But we understand these things, for we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. God called each and every one of us to be that kind of a person, to have the mind of Christ. You get off your throne, the next image. You get off your own throne, and Jesus takes his place on the throne of your life. You decide to give every area of your life over to Jesus. That's called lordship. You get off your throne, to Jesus, you get on this throne of my life. You dictate my finances, you dictate my marriage, my, my friends, my relationship my friends, my workplace. You get on the throne of every single area of my life. I bow my knee to you, and you are Lord of my life. Not only my Savior, but my Lord, my Master, the one who I follow, because you created me, and you've got best in mind for my life. The one that created you knows you best. He you know you better know than you know yourself, because he created you. Who knows this Sam self better than I, do, the creator of these, uh, these, this device? And what happens is God's character, His Word, and His Spirit starts dictating your choices. No longer your flesh, and desire desires, your but what His Word says, what this book says, starts dictating your decision. What His Spirit that he has placed inside of the Holy Spirit that is He's us power to be able to walk in the side of the room.
0: His spirit starts dictating your
1: decisions. His character, when Jesus is standing in front of you, when you see Jesus' is character revealed in the Gospels of Matthew, Luke, John, Mark,
0: his character starts dictating
1: the way you live your life. Not your emotions, your feelings, your circumstances. Your circumstances. That's a trap I so easily get fall into. It's my circumstances how I'm making this. God has given us victory over every area of our lives, circumstances, and our feelings and our sinful desires. And He starts dictating our choices. God has destined and called you to step into this type of person, being a spiritual person. just want to share something interesting with you. The thing that sits on that throne is usually the thing that you love the most. There's a quote that says, I'm just getting the right. Spiritual growth is the process of ordering your love's priorities. As you grow in your relationship with God, you understand, you start understanding what it means to prioritize God's love that on the throne. That's called sanctification. God transforms us. We are being saved who we can save and then He starts transforming us and sanctifying us into His image. Because that's always been God's God's purpose from the start is so that we can be made into His image. So that we can reflect Him to this last world out there. So He's sanctifying us. He's transforming us into His image. I want to show you this next image. There's a guy there, there at that blue arrow. That's where he was saved. That's where he said, Jesus, I want you to, to live inside of me. I want you, I want you to accept as my Lord and Savior. And as he sanctifies you, as you keep growing your relationship with God, as you stay in his word, as you invite the Holy Spirit daily into your life to be refilled with his spirit. And as you as you get to know Jesus and his character. You grow and grow, and grow in your relationship with God. And the cross grows in your life. It grows more and more. That, that cross that's sitting on that throne keeps growing and growing and growing and growing, and growing until it reaches to where God is glorified through your life. Now people look at you and say, God is a good God. They don't look at you and see you. It's good, they look at you and see the cross in your life. It's good. And they see the way that you handle the wire. Wow, it's all so great. The way you handle the job, your work, well that's God honoring There's so many patients who take a step into the wrong direction when there's ways to make more money. But I'm going to handle God. I'm going to, to God for me for me. And people will see that. Your last hope is glorifying God. You were justified when you were saved. He sanctifies you and then He is glorified through your life as the cross grows in your life. So what, what does it look like to walk by the Spirit? It is when you listen to the prompting of the Holy Spirit instead of the, pl- the prompting of the flesh, of the flesh you desires, you listen to what the Holy Spirit tells you. And secondly, it is walking in true freedom, like we heard with victory training of the testimonies this morning. It is walking in true freedom. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 17 says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. With the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. Walking by the Spirit means you walk in total freedom. What Jesus paid for on that cross, He's giving you everything you need to walk in freedom. You are the son and the daughter of God and you can start acting like that. There's nothing that needs to be, needs to be added or taken away. He's already done everything. You can walk in this freedom. And then thirdly, it's being led by God. John 10 verse 27 speaks about, My sheep listens to my voice. I know them and they follow me. It's interesting in today's time, the shepherds, when they chase sheep into an area, they stand behind the sheep and they chase them in they go. But in the New Testament, time, we read how the shepherds walked in front and the sheep followed them because they knew the shepherd's voice. They would walk in front of all of the sheep, We'll just follow. Him. Because they trusted the shepherd. Because they know when the shepherd goes, there will be food. He's going to lead us to water. He's going to lead us to green pastures. And he's going to take us to safe places. And he's going to protect us against predators. So the sheep follow the shepherd. because they knew the voice. And that is living in the spirit, walking in the spirit, is we are led by God. We follow him. We don't ask him to follow us. We know we are. God. Follow me into my workplace, whether it's my my marriage or my relationship with this girl, I'll follow you. No, it is you follow God as he before you. And you walk in his purposes and and, and what he calls you, how he calls you to do. I'm going to end off now. I want to ask you why do we struggle? Why are we stuck in the fleshy person? Because to be honest, If we are honest with ourselves, all of us, I think the one that most of us relate to the easiest is the fleshy person. We've been saved, but why do we feel like we're stuck in a place where I still want to call the shots in my life? Where I'm still in control, where I'm still on my own throne. Why do we get stuck in the flesh? Maybe we haven't taken the respons- responsibility of our lives. Maybe we haven't taken responsibility of our lives. God has given us everything. He's provided us with everything that we need. And I'm going to read two, Peters, 2 Peter 1 verse 3. It says, His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. So it's not a question of asking God to do something more, but it's to know through the, through the revelation of who He is, that firstly He has done everything needed, He's done everything that was needed through, through His Son on the cross and He's given us the power through the Holy Spirit to be His sons and daughters and to live like His sons and daughters. He's given us everything we need. It's not by your own strength. It's not by your own powers. It's by the power of the Holy Spirit. He's done everything. We need to know that. And secondly, He hasn't done,
0: He didn't do this because we are good or because we deserve it. But He's done this because of His own glory and His own goodness.
1: He did this so that He can be glorified. And the fact that he invites us to be part of that shows his love for us, because it's the biggest honour and privilege he can give us is to show him to the world out there, is to be glor- is to glorify his name through our lives. And he's a good God, my dear friend. Our lives has never been, has never meant to be about ourselves. It's never meant to. To be the most successful and best person we can be, it's always been to glorify God in our lives. Because you're sitting here because of Him, it's nothing that you've done to sit here with you. It's always been His grace. Always. A life with God on the throne will glorify Him and not yourself. And I want us to respond. We're going to go into a time of worship. But I want us to respond this morning. And I want to start by asking you, who is Jesus to you? Who is Jesus to you? And who are you in Christ? And you've got a family you're sitting around you, people that love you because of God's love, love that shine through them. They love you because they first love God. Those three things that might say. Who is Jesus to you? Who are you in Christ? And are you, like John, part of a family that pushes you and guides you closer and closer to God?
0: And I want to ask you this morning, will you allow me To receive his
1: place on the throne. Will you get off the throne if you are still sitting on the throne? And will you allow Jesus to get on that throne? And maybe you can think of specific areas in your life that you know that you've been been still making the decisions. You've still been on that throne. And place those areas before God. as He assumes His place on the throne, I want you to know that you are accepted by Him. You are significant in Him. You are secure in Him. It's because He's on the throne. And some of you maybe just want to take a posture of surrender this morning as we go into time of worship. Maybe you want to You can sing loudly with the words as we sing now, or you can just just bow your knee before God this morning. Maybe it's been years that you physically just went on your knees before God, and you just placed your life before God's feet.
0: I want to invite you
1: to do that.